Hi, I'm Matt Kirkegaard from Australian Brewers News. Today on Beer is a Conversation, Pete and I chat with Matt Jankoskis from Brewhaha Brewery in Mullaney, Queensland. Matt is a brewer who, on his own admission, has had a series of very lucky breaks that have taken him from working in the electrical industry in Australia to travelling to London and snagging a job at Beaverton Brewery with Logan Plant, where he quickly became their production manager. He then returned to Australia to start his own brewery, which has quickly developed a serious reputation for making great beer and being a top brew pub, such that this year Matt was named Brewer of the Year at Queensland's inaugural Beery Awards. Matt is an exciting young brewer making some cracking beers and has a great story to tell. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to Beers of Conversation, Matt Jankoskis. Matt, it's been a long time uh, that we've wanted to chat to you. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, guys. I'm, uh, I'm wrapped to be on. And I should say that you are currently on the side of the Bruce Highway, uh, so thank you very much for uh, being <laughs> so flexible to have a bit of a chat to us. Hopefully we don't hear any uh, uh, trucks passing uh, to add some visual effects. But uh, <laughs> Matt, to go back to the beginning, which is always a good place to start, you didn't exactly leave school with the uh, dream of being a craft brewer? No, no. Look, I've got an interesting background. When I left school, I don't think I really knew what I wanted to be, to be honest. Um, I sort of studied a lot of science um, and engineering subjects, and I was sort of enrolled in forensic science, actually, when I left left school. Um, but I just I went and did a little bit of work experience with it, and it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And so then I fell into a trade. I actually got into being an electrician, um, and I loved it. But I just felt, I guess, underutilised. Um, and so that's why I got into studying electrical engineering uh, and then a bit of project management as well. So I sort of progressed through the electrical ranks. Um, and, yeah, I was running a pretty big company on, in Brisbane that was uh, into renewable energy. So I was their electrical supervisor uh, for probably three years or so. Um, and that, I, I loved it. I really did. Um, but it sort of, yeah, it just, it just got me hungry, I guess, for, uh, for everything else. And that's where I discovered craft beer. Um, I was living in West End at the time, right out the back door of Archive. Um, and Archive just got me hooked. Um, it was just every Thursday I'd go down with my growler um, and just wanted to try whatever was new. Um, I was there for every one of their Beer Academy dinners. Um, and then I'm a massive AFL fan as well. So I, I used to travel around to Victoria a lot. I have family down there. Um, and I remember the first time I walked into Mountain Goat at Richmond was just this epiphany moment of uh, of what is this and where has it been my whole life. Man, I, I need to ask it because it, it sounds like you've crammed a fair bit in, but how old are you actually? Because I, I wouldn't be surprised if every now and then you were still <laughs> asked for ID. You're one of the youngest looking uh, brewers uh, out on the market. Yeah, I'm the baby-faced brewer. Um, it's funny you should ask at the moment. So I'm 29. Um, but I'm currently trying to participate in Movember, so I'm glad that this uh, is a radio <laughs> chat and not a video chat. There's a, probably six six hairs on my upper lip that uh, are just embarrassing. So uh, you got into craft beer, you're working in electrical engineering, and I believe then you went on a, a an overseas holiday, um, or you, you went on the, the the working holiday, but you know, got the uh, British um, working visa and uh, just ended up working uh, at a fairly significant UK brewery. Yeah, that was, look, that's just, I think there's probably two really fortuitous moments that uh, that happened in my craft beer journey. And the first one was definitely going to the UK. So um, 
again, like I loved being an electrician. I loved my electrical supervisor role. Um, it was definitely my partner that um, encouraged me to travel. And the thought of taking two years off was, was kind of daunting for me. I was very career driven. Um, so anyway, we were going across and I knew it was only going to be a limited stint. So I knew I was only going for two years. So I originally started looking for electrical jobs, as you do, um, before we left Australia. But they just they just didn't seem to be much and they didn't seem to pay very well. Um, and also the thought of, I guess, doing electrical work in the UK kind of just kind of put me off a little bit. I think the weather would have been a real factor. And uh, so anyway, for whatever reason, I just thought, why not look for a dream job? So I had no idea where to start. I was still in Australia uh, and I just Googled brewery jobs London. Um, and again, I, I don't know how it was, but I just an ad popped up. Um, so it was an ad for a packaging manager originally. So the role was to come in. They were chasing someone with sort of technical background, um, but also a knowledge in beer that could come in and run a brand new kegging line, canning line and bottling line. Um, and also just keep, I guess, all the scheduling of people and raw materials and all that sort of intact. So I wrote my cover letter in the Hong Kong airport on my way across. Um, I'm a notorious procrastinator, so I just <laughs> I just couldn't ever finish it. But I guess the stopover seemed as good a time as any to just to just pump it out. Uh, so I, yeah, I sent it off when I was in the Hong Kong airport, and I landed in the UK to a response saying, um, "Thanks, we'd love to meet you, but the job applications don't close for six weeks. So look, if you'd love to come in, we'd love to meet you." So I went in the very next day. I met with uh, with Jen, who was the the general manager at the time, um, and she basically I, I don't said think you've which, that which looking... brewery it is yet, Matt. So uh... no, no. Yeah. So this this was the thing. So it was Beavertown Brewery in London, in the UK, and at that stage, I had no idea who who anyone was or, or who they were. So I, I went to the shop before I went to the interview and grabbed a couple of their beers to try. Um, and again, it was one of those things where I was like, "Holy shit, this is actually the sort of stuff I love." Um, you know, it was hoppy. It was uh, they had a big range of styles. They loved their smoked porters and things like that. So it was, it was exactly what I wanted to be making. Uh, but anyway, met with Jen. She said uh, that they needed some some part-time work in the meantime, some casual work. So again, the very next day, I started hand-bottling with them. So I was hand-bottling, hand-labeling um, at their Sour Road premises, which was just a tiny little brew kit. Um, and when I ended up when applications closed, I ended up getting that job over far more qualified people just because I'd demonstrated what I what I was there for and what I wanted to be doing and, and how hard I wanted it. Um, and so, yeah, I got I got that job, started as packaging manager, but we'd moved from open-top fermenters in the basement of a, of a restaurant, basically, to a 50-heck yeah, brew house, 100-heck tank, um, and all forced carbonated. So it was just a totally different world, and we all started on a level playing field, I guess. So I probably did packaging manager for, I don't know, six weeks or so um, before I really got that under wraps and, and uh, delegated it, I guess, and, and started progressing through the salary department and then the brewing department. And then uh, they put me through all sorts of study through the IBD over there. Um, and then, yeah, within probably six months, I'd progressed to production manager. So I was in charge of the the whole brewing side of the business. When you say they put you through uh, the, the IBD, w- w- was that a uh, diploma of business or was it just uh, of brewing or was it one of the um, sort of introductory courses? No, no. So it was the diploma of brewing that I did there uh, and I did that externally while I worked. 
Wow, that's a huge uh, investment. I mean, I guess you got very lucky getting into a brewery like that at a time when they were expanding. It sounds like timing has been key to it to a lot of the things that you've uh, you've you've done. Oh, I can't I can't express that enough. Um, like I said, it was the only job that popped up when I googled uh, brewery jobs London. I had no idea who this brewery was. I had no idea what type of beer they made. Um, and so anyway, I, after <laughs> again, I'm a bit. My music knowledge isn't, isn't my strong suit, but um, about probably two or three weeks in, uh, someone tapped me on the shoulder and went, y- you do realise who Logan is, don't you? And I was oblivious to it. I was like, Logan, no, no, no. Look, he's just the owner of Beavertown. He's a lovely guy. I don't know his background. He's like, it's Logan Plant. He's the son of, of Robert Plant, the lead singer of Led Zeppelin. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so um, I was oblivious to it. But look, it opened a lot of doors for us. Um, while I was at Beavertown, I got to brew with some of the best brewers in the world, um, you know, everyone from Mickle to, you know, to Camden Town to um, Sam Calagione from Dogfish Head. Um, so I just had this phenomenal time there. But throughout the whole thing, I never, ever wanted to be anywhere other than, than Beavertown. Um, the style of beer they were making, the people they were, that I was there with, uh, and the opportunities that I had were just phenomenal. So it was a really hard thing to, to leave London and to come back to Australia. Matt, making those beers and then coming back, uh, opening your own brewery, which we'll talk about in a sec, and um, and having the chance, I guess, to either do an homage or to replicate those sorts of beers, do you kind of hold back a little bit and go, no, no, he does those beers really well, I'm going to do something completely different, or you go, or do you go, I know these beers so well, I know they would work well here, I want to do something similar? Oh, look, a, li- a little bit of both. Uh, I think it's important to... Uh, I guess have an identity as a brewer, um, and and my identity is very much um, influenced by by what my time in London. So, you know, we're one of the few breweries in Queensland that have a stout as part of their core range, um, and that's that's really important to me. And I always want to keep that. Um, so, in answer to your question, I, none of the beers that we make are what we were making in London. Um, that Beavertown was very much. Logan's identity he was very much the personality behind it um, and then we as brewers were responsible for sort of creating or influencing the styles of beers um, to be the identity that he wanted them to be um, so when I came back to Australia I really wanted to create my own identity um, but definitely the, the styles of beer that we were making there and that I guess my time in London very much influenced what I wanted to do once I got back yeah, I was lucky enough to uh, host a dinner at which Logan was one of the one of the guests, and and one of my endearing memories uh, of that time was sitting with him drinking uh, neck oil, which is I guess yeah. it's a hoppy yeah. you know hoppy session sort of you know lighter alcohol sort of thing, and just and and talking to him about I guess the reason for doing that beer just just a beer and and the whole concept of you know of neck oil yeah it's just sort of like bump lubricate down gone um but but it just put things into perspective in in terms of you know beer can really be um at its simplest you know just a very easy kind of uncomplicated sort of thing and sometimes i think we 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 kind of overcook it a little bit have you found that um i guess when you start a brouhaha um that you wanted to have i guess a a philosophy behind the, the the beer as a range? Yeah, definitely. Um, and where we are geographically influenced that as well. Um, so obviously Beavertown, uh, like you said, is, is based in central London. So, you know, it, it's 
market and its sort of local demographic is very different to what ours is in Mullaney, in Sunshine Coast, Tintoland. Uh, and the other side of it is as well, and I think sort of the UK as a market is, is more ahead of where we are in Australia as well. So, yeah, we, we definitely try to make uh, approachable beer um, as well as sort of push it a little bit with a few other different flavours. But like you say, neck oil was, was a cracker. Uh, and the name for that actually came from his dad. So his dad said it was, yeah, it was literally lubrication for, for the throat. So, um, and neck oil was, was one of those beers that wasn't the most popular at Beavertown, actually. Gamma Ray far outweighed it in sale, um, almost two to one. But neck oil and even Smog Rock at their smoked porter were sort of my favourite two beers. And I think probably across all of the brewers, we felt that that was the case. Um, but you know the market really wanted gamma rain, so that's what we that's what we brewed around the clock. Matt, I just wanted to uh, go back to the, the bit where you said you felt that their market was a little bit ahead of ours. Um, where do you see the, the differences uh, between the English and the Australian markets? Oh, look, I think it's it's different for a couple of reasons. I mean, there's there's definitely a lot more breweries in London and things like that. I mean, they're they're popping up, but also I think that they were more ready for the craft beer movement than probably Australia was. Uh, they had their real ale following, which just already created an alternative to, I guess, mass-produced um, effervescent lagers. So they, they were already, you know, a massive groundswell around this whole local brewery, local bar, all of those sorts of things, because that's what Carscale real ale really was. So I think in that respect, they were, they were a lot more open to it and a lot quicker to move with it. So yeah, I, I genuinely think the UK is a, is a couple of he- couple of years ahead of Australia, um, and that's why it's exciting to be back in now and really part of the boom. It's a big thing. Just going back to where you were, you know, you, you had a background in electricity, you had a background in science, so like you 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 didn't have a background in brewing, um, but you seem to progress very quickly from a packaging line supervisor into a production supervisor role. Um, do you feel that you had a natural affinity for the brewing process? Definitely. Um, and I think if you look across the brewing career as a whole, you'll see that a lot of us are in our second probably careers. And a lot of them come from engineering. A lot of them come from IT and things like that. So I think the most important trait to being a brewer is someone that's got, um, that's obviously good with their hands and can, it's quite physical. It's, you know, it's a lot of rep- repetition. Um, but the other side of it, and I think the most important is just that, attention to detail, that repetition, that data entry, so just logging everything and making sure that you're just tracking everything. Um, I really love that saying that um, brewers make work, yeast makes beer. So for me, it's all about salarying. That salarying and packaging, I think, are the most important times in the beer's life. Um, and so for me, being an engineer, I was more than happy to just, you know, scrub the floors, make sure everything's pristine uh, and just log, check check the fermentation, check the beer every day, smell it, taste it, um, and just really, I guess, nurture it. So I think, yeah, with the science background that I had, with the physics background that I had, I really understand the biology, the chemistry, and also the physics, I guess, of gases and things like that. So, yeah, I think with the, the hands-on approach and also the data entry repetitive side of it, I was, I was pretty well equipped to just jump on. You spoke about, uh, I guess, the, the, the physical market that Beavertown was in, uh, in terms of the demographic and that sort of thing. For those who don't know, um, so at Mullaney, was that uh, a choice because that's where you lived and did you decide you wanted to work where you lived as well? Or was, it, was there a, what yeah, was the thinking no. behind setting up there? So I said there were two very fortuitous moments in my life of craft beer, I think. And the second one was coming back to Australia. So 
like I said, London London was just phenomenal. I can't get over how lucky I was there. Um, and the choice to leave London was sort of taken out of my hands a little bit when my partners, um, I, I have, due to my last name, I have Lithuanian citizenship, which gives me a UK passport or a European passport, I should say. So I could have stayed there indefinitely, um, but my partner, we tried to get a de facto visa and that was rejected. So that kind of just forced us to leave the UK. So when we were leaving, you know, everyone was asking, what do you want to do? Um, you know, what's the dream? And I, I very much enjoyed my time in electrical, but I knew I didn't want to go back to electrical after I'd seen the world of beer. Um, so I, anyway, I talked about it with a few guys and I was like, the dream would be to open a brew pub. Um, and I'd love it to be in Mullaney. I said, I feel like Mullaney is just this oasis on the hill. You just a world away, but you're only sort of 25 minutes from some of the best beaches in the world. Um, but the produce up there, the change in temperature, the scenery, all these things just make it so picturesque. Um, and it really reminded me of where my mum's parents had grown up. So uh, I always loved Mullaney, but I had no connection to it at all. So I'd only been there on a couple of weekend trips. Um, I also love Mount Tambourine down in the Gold Coast hinterland for the same sorts of reasons. Um, but again, I just had no connection to Mullaney. So coming home, <laughs> what do you do? You get back on Seek and, uh, and Google and things and you look up job adverts. So unbelievably, there was a, there was a job advert going for uh, a business partner and brewer to come in and design and build a brew pub in Mullaney. So um, I... As you do, I thought originally that it was a couple of mates having a, having a laugh. I thought I'd told too many people this dream. Someone thinks it's a bit of a joke to uh, take the piss and, uh, and advertise my dream job and watch me apply for it. So, of course, I did apply and I went up and I was very surprised to see that there were real people behind it. Um, so I met the three other guys that were wanting to be in the business and they'd, they'd looked around for, they'd had the premises now and they'd registered the name um, about three years prior to that. Uh, and they'd just been looking. So they interviewed about 30 different brewers and potential business partners um, over that course, but just hadn't found the right one. Um, so, so yeah, I think within a few minutes of meeting them, uh, it just felt really right. And I got tracking that same day on ordering a, you know, on uh, playing around at AutoCAD, just trying to make the premises work as a restaurant and a brewery, um, and then sort of really started sourcing, you know, the, the, the pieces of equipment that we needed to, to get cracking. Now, we asked Scotty Hargraves, who's a concreter um, or a former concreter, whether he did the concreting for his brewery. Did you do the uh, electrical work for it? It's funny, eh? I, uh, I did just about every other trade in the brewery other than the electrical. Um, so <laughs> I still have an electrical still have an electrical license, but I don't have an electrical contractor's license anymore. So I could do the work, but I couldn't get it signed off. So, yeah, so I did all the glycol chilling. I did a lot of the uh, building work. So one of my good friends and I, did all attacked all the building um, ourselves, so all the furniture, um, all of the fit out was all done by myself and, and a friend, and I made all the light fixtures out of copper and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but I couldn't actually physically sign off the electrical work, unfortunately. <laughs> now, Matt, when you uh, I was lucky enough to, to be up a couple of weeks ago, and when you drive in for listeners who don't maybe don't know Mulaney, Mulaney's one of those coastal hinterland it, it, it's up on top of a mountain it's got lots of arts and craft shops if you're ever short of a tibetan flag you'll buy, find them up there or candles um <laughs> but it, 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 it's a weekend getaway sort of spot so so there are a lot of places and then uh, matt you're just 
out the back a little bit in what is is a fairly new. It looks like the sort of thing you know, a, a convenience store strip shop where you would normally find a news agent, uh, maybe you know, like a, a gift shop, a florist, a bottle shop sort of thing. So <laughs> when you drive in, you've got the car park there, but you've got a brewery. But then when you walk through, you've got a lovely deck out the back looking over this beautiful Mulaney uh, hinterland you know, rural area. Was there any second thoughts about the venue or did you straight away see the um, potential for it? No, definitely there were. There was always sort of second thoughts. I think I always second guess uh, myself as that's just part of my trait. But no, it's, I guess, as you say, uh, especially coming from London, this could not be more different to the sort of the grungy industrial feel of, of pretty much that whole market. Um, so the idea of coming into a, a clean... Uh, modern, single-story, uh, chip-rock walled building was, was kind of a little bit daunting. Um, and the other side of it was that we were trying to bite off a lot in an existing space. So it was two adjoining units that we wanted to knock down the wall, raise the roof, all this sort of stuff to create a really practical brewery, but also a kitchen and then a 160-seat restaurant bar. So there was a lot of, I guess, uh, thought and, uh, I guess, stress that went into it. But once I started looking into the, the location, so the location we get medium industry use through there, which means that we can produce quite a lot of beer in that site. Um, we also have the car park. So for those that haven't been up, it's, it's a medical unit precinct. So we like to think that the ailments of liquor fit in pretty well. Um, but there's a dentist, a doctor and an x-ray. But basically all these other businesses were sort of a Monday to Friday, nine to five type situation. So... Car parking in Mulaney is notoriously bad. So the, I guess the, the benefit of having 50 car parks in all of our peak periods, which are the weekends and the evenings, um, it, was just, it was just too good to go past. And then with the heavy vehicle access and the medium, medium industry use, and then also the outlook from the deck that just, like, like Matt said, once you walk in and you open those doors, you couldn't be a world away. Um, it's, you know, it really takes you back to somewhere else, and that's what we're, we're really proud of. Are you particularly, uh, I guess, attractive to the locals or is it tourists? Is it half and half? Where, where did the drinkers come from? We don't have any shortage of drinkers, that's for sure. The thing that's been the hardest for us is to try and tailor for both of those markets. So Mulaney is it's a small little community uh, and the people that live there, they're really proud of their local area, but they also, I think, want to, they want something different. They don't want to get stuck with inundated crowds of tourists uh, and they don't want to have to compete with all of that. They want to get away from that. So... We've worked really hard to create that, I guess, that local watering hole that people can come down and, and know what they're getting. Um, and, and really, you know, we know their names and they know ours and, and we know what beers they like to have and, and all of that sort of stuff. So we're really proud of the midweek troops that come through. We have a local swimming club that comes in for their meetings, the local, you know, rugby union club, all of that sort of stuff that we support and that, that come in and support us. Um, but then we get sort of the Thursday and Friday nights, we find a really big for pre-wedding dinners. Um, so people coming up will come and have their welcome dinner at the brewery. Um, and then Saturdays and Sundays are just, just slammed with tourists. Um, we just get so many through. Uh, and, and, you know, it just it sort of takes care of itself on weekends. So the hardest thing for us has been to try and support the locals and encourage them to come down in the times that are a little bit quieter uh, and that it can be a more personal experience. And it's amazing how uh, quickly, um, you know, when you describe, I, I think your description of the venue is even more stark than mine was, but it's amazing once you've got the stainless steel 
on the door, you've got that nice bar, you've just got some nice fittings inside, then you walk through. It can completely transform an otherwise fairly austere venue. Oh, we have, we have so many people walk to the door and just have a double take. Um, so, it, yeah, the inside to outside could not be a bigger contrast. Um, and again, we, we worked really hard to try and, I guess, have the fit out that, that reflected what we were trying to do as a business. And again, also that personality, the personality, the identity that, that we wanted to emulate with our business. So, you know, there's the white subway tiles behind the bar with the taps coming through it. So that's very much a, a London thing that really draws back to, to my time there. And also Julian, one of the other partners, he lived in the UK for a long time. Um, and then, yeah, like I say, there's a lot of greenery. So there's plants that hang down from the ceiling. Um, but yeah, everything's been done on a budget. So the, the marble on the bar was donated from a local guy's house. Um, the planter boxes that hold the plants are actually just steel Rio from, uh, you know, from a concrete slab, essentially, that we bent up and painted black. Um, but yeah, you, you walk in and there's copper lights and there's chalkboard art and it, it, it really is a beautiful space and we're really proud of it. How hard is it, given that it's not entirely your money, you've, you've, you answered a, essentially a job investor ad in, in a paper, how hard is it to bring people from different backgrounds and potentially with different visions um, together and have that work? Because you, you're now 18 months old? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're pretty much bang on 18 months at the moment. Um, and I, I think it is, it, it, there's always challenges with that. I think in any any sort of business, no matter what, you know, you're getting into it at what position. There's always, I guess, a little bit of difficulty in, in balancing expectations and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but we were pretty open and pretty honest getting into it. So we we were pessimistic. Uh, we knew how much work would be involved, how much reinvestment. Uh, and we also knew that it was going to take a long time to see, I guess, the rewards and the dividends. Um, but I'm young and I want to do this as a career. So we're not in it for a quick buck. We're, we're really here to stay. And, uh, and so I think that makes it a little bit easier to be patient. Mate, that sounds like a very cool philosophy. So you've got a very successful brew pub up at Mullaney. Um, a lot of people coming through. You are getting the beer out. And I have to say that you've been seem to have been very successful on the wholesale market as well. There's been a, a lot of take up of, of the beer. You've uh, really created a, a strong brand that people are responding to. What's next for Brewhaha? Yeah, so we, we've been wrapped with sort of how quickly the venue's taken off and how quickly the beer brand's taken off. We've been very humbled by that. So what's next for us? So we always want to be brew pub driven. So we work really hard on, on not just with the beer, but also with the restaurant. So all of our um, discarded grain, for instance, all of that goes off to feed Mulaney Wagyu. And then we buy their whole animal back and use that in the restaurant. So everything from... The sausages, which we make with the local butcher, so they're a milk stout and Mulaney Wagyu sausage. Um, all of the prime cuts, you know, the other night we had these big tomahawk steaks that you share with two. Um, and then we even use the offcuts and the bones and things like that for dog food. So we work really hard with the local community in the restaurant. We make ice cream with the uh, the local gelatery place. So we use our raspberry saison to make a sorbet. Yeah, we really love being part of the community and the brew pub is always going to be the heart of, of what we do. And that really influences us as a wholesale brand as well because we always want to have something new, something fresh, something exciting on. Um, and we've designed our brewery to be flexible and to be versatile. So... When we do canning runs, we label the outside of the can with the label. So we're not restricted to just one or two core brands. Uh, we really like to, to have a seasonal 
uh, style and to have a, a big variation in what we make. And we really love using fruit. So we love to use the local fruits. We've made, you know, Raspberry Saison is, is one of our most popular flagship beers. Um, and it it was definitely made because Mulaney reminds me of Fern Tree Gully where my grandparents grew up. And we used to drive down there every year from Queensland. And as we wound up through the hills, uh, there was just that smell and the change in temperature. Um, and then my grandparents had a raspberry patch in the background. So we used to go and pick them every year. And so moving to Mulaney and starting this, the, the raspberry saison was a really uh, the first beer I made, essentially. Um, and it's just a really sort of important beer to me. Uh, but yeah, we want to continue doing what we're doing. We've got new tanks coming early next year. That'll double our capacity. At the moment, we're, we are, I guess, struggling to keep up with the demand, not only in our bar, um, but also keeping that, that versatility and that range of style available in a wholesale market. At the moment, we can only make every beer about every six weeks, and a lot of them are selling out within two or three weeks. So I think that a lot of the people that support us are getting frustrated with the lack of supply, uh, and that's something we're going to rectify in, in February next year. Uh, and we've also got our eyes on our own canning line as well, which will just help us be able to get that versatility uh, to do really small exclusive runs of something like our New England Finger Lime IPA, for instance, which was just an incredible beer, but we hand squeeze all these finger limes into it, um, which takes like two days of hand squeezing and they're, they're reject finger limes from a finger lime farmer just, just down the road from us. Um, and then we just pack it full of hops. So, Obviously, the shelf life on a beer like that is, is really short. Um, and so we want to be able to do really small canning runs, really exclusive stuff, uh, and just make sure that it, the beer continues to be drunk fresh um, and, and really local as well. We currently don't go outside Queensland um, and really barely outside southeast Queensland. That's in itself an issue. Do you feel that you need to keep growing? And if so, are we going to see a brouhaha production brewery in addition to the brew pub in the future? Oh, look, maybe. Um, I mean, I'm not going to rule that out. I think that's always something we wouldn't have got into this business if we didn't want to create a brewery eventually. Um, but it's not going to influence or it's not going to change our identity. Uh, we're always going to be that really brew pub driven uh, business. And I love doing what I'm doing. I think I have the best gigs um, where it's, I, I'm very actively involved in, in the restaurant and the bar, um, as well as obviously all the beers. So it's just so much fun. Um, and I think with the, the market growing on the Sunshine Coast, there's, there's so much going on now. There's a lot of breweries opening um, and there's some really great, uh, like Josh at Craft Beer, Sunshine Coast Craft Beer Tours. He's doing a great job at sort of building the whole area um, and really connecting everyone together. So I think the next, the next year or two on the Sunshine Coast is going to be really interesting. So we think with this expansion that'll take us to about 5,000 litres of production a week, that's that's a substantial amount. Um, so we think we'll just sort of grow into this and then, I guess, just reassess and, uh, and yeah, see where we're at. Mate, the only thing I'm going to add to that is I sincerely hope that, uh, particularly since that you've just effectively compared Mulaney with Ferntree Gully, I'm hoping that somebody <laughs> listening to this podcast is similarly inspired as you were and opens a little brew pub in Ferntree Gully because then I'd be able to walk there. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree as well. Um, I just think that the Destination Brew Pub is just so awesome. You know, the first thing I do when I go and travel, you know, whether it's holidays on the morning to Peninsula or something like that, is the first thing I do is look up breweries um, and see where the local is and go down and try it. I mean, the success of, you know, Bright Brewery and that, that region in the, the high country out there, what they've 
managed to do is not only as a tourist destination, but also as a beer destination now. You know, I think that we can do that as a beer community and really be the new wineries, I guess. Um, and, and yeah, I'd, I'd love to see the, the remote, I guess, the, the picturesque brewery come back into, into fashion. Yeah, not quite sure how long it's been since uh, you were last in Ferntree Gully. It's, it's changed a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a while since I was down there, probably seven years or so now. Yeah, now we've still got the Dandenongs as a, as a beautiful picturesque background, but um, it's certainly a lot more developed than uh, than it was even in the last five years. Yeah, I bet. Still, yeah. still room for a brew pub though, so don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt, we've kept you uh, on, on the side of the Bruce Highway for half an hour now, so the uh, RACQ is probably going to turn up fairly soon and offer to, uh, <laughs> to give you a toast, so... Thank you very much for joining us on Beer is a Conversation. It's, it's great to uh, to finally have a chat. Um, and uh, I'll definitely be bringing Pete up to, uh, to to visit the brewery next time he's up in the Sunshine State. Yeah, no, thanks thanks for having me, guys. It's, uh, it's You're doing a great job. We've got a lot of respect. So thanks for uh, thanks for reaching out to us. And uh, congratulations on everything you've achieved, mate. And I uh, hope it, is, it goes uh, from strength to strength. Yeah, so do I. Trust me. Like I said, I'm, uh, I'm living my dream. So definitely not going to stop anytime soon. Cheers, mate. No worries, guys. Thanks very much. And that was Matt Jankoskis from Brouhaha Brewery. Radio Brews News and Beer is a Conversation are made possible by our generous sponsors, Crime Malt and Brewpack, who are not only supporting this conversation, they're supporting the good beer industry and we thank them for that support. We also thank our Radio Brews News paid subscribers who donate a small amount each month to help keep this conversation going as well. Thank you for your support. If you like what we do and you would like to support the show yourself, you can find a link in the show notes where you can make a one-off or regular small donation. You can also help us by helping others to find us by leaving a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Finally, you can join the conversation by sending some feedback, comments or suggestions to producer at bruisenews.com.au. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to joining you again for another Good Beer Conversation next week. Now's the time to roll the barrel